from the woods to the water, from the bucks to the ducks. Your weekday foray out of the office begins now on WNSP Outdoors, live on 105.5 FM and WNSP.com. Stay tuned as Alan White and Doug Max talk with fishing and hunting pros, share tips and tricks, and discuss Alabama's greatest natural resource, the great outdoors. WNSP Outdoors, brought to you by Andrews Diesel and Automotive, Hall's Sausage and Wholesale Meats, Eastern Shore Ace Hardware, Titan Leafy Suits, Street Seafood and Meat Market, Medicare Insurance Advisors, and Blue Water Yacht Sales. Now, let's head outdoors with Alan White. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. I'm Alan White along with Doug Max and we were asking for a little rain. We got a lot more than uh, we asked for today, Doug. Yeah, you must have did the wrong rain dance. <laughs> you did. You did the heavy duty rain dance. I the think, heavy duty out there. I'm telling you, it's flooding uh, in certain places. But uh, we're going to find out what this is going to do to our rivers and uh, and the fishing prospects for your weekend coming up. Right now, let's go ahead and give away a $20 gift certificate to Eastern Shore Ace Hardware. Doug, I don't know if you've been by there lately, but you should see the selection of grills and smokers they have. It's all the top brands. I mean, it's just a really good selection of those. Anyway, we'll give this uh, $20 gift card to the third caller at 694-1055. All right, kick off the show. Mr. Don Green is with us with our Delta Report. How you doing, Don? I'm doing great. You guys doing okay? We're doing good. I guess the question is, what's this rain going to do to affect the fishing this weekend? Well, you know, you know, I go the only, the only silver lining in the cloud is we got a full moon. I think it's next Friday, uh-huh. and this is going to be our first decent bedding time for your brim and crappie. Uh, this year, and we got time to get it in before the high water gets here. That, that's the silver lining in the cloud. Oh, good. That sounds uh, good. Um, we uh, we got nine feet right now. The, the rivers have dropped down pretty good, so it'll take a few days to get all that stuff together before it comes down here. And uh, like I say, it's nine feet at uh, Coffeeville on the Tom Big and it's rising. But now they've got these crests. Don't look for the crest to be the crest. In other words, it's going to be more water coming down. And I think they got, uh, you know, they got to get this stuff together. Now, as far as the uh, Alabama, it's 14 feet. It's right at normal, and it's uh, supposed to rise to 24 next Tuesday. And it's it's supposed to crest too, but I don't look for it. Uh, as far as the uh, Mobile uh, River, Barry is four feet mean tide, which is already down to tidal. And uh, it's four feet mean tide, and it's going to stay that way through Sunday. And it's going to start a slow rise Monday, which by maybe Thursday or Friday, it will be like five and a half feet something. Still be fishing. Mm-hmm. It'll still be fishing weather down here. Okay. Uh Next Friday, we've got that full moon. Uh, I've got several reports, which I have been in on myself. I've been out there, too. The, the fish are staged up at the beds. They're, they're where they're going to be at. 
And between now and next Friday, you're going to see some beds pop up, and you're going to see a few fish get on. Man, I've seen and, uh, some great brim catches this week already. I'm telling you, they yeah. already they, they've staged up, and they're they're staged all over the delta. The, the whole delta could could uh, could see a bed if it wasn't for this high water. But that's what's that's what's gonna hurt it. Uh, it'll probably be another moon or so before we have a delta wide bed. I think it'll take at least two weeks to get that water back down. Yeah, and when it does, it's gonna stay down. I imagine. Hey, Don, with this full moon coming early in May. Uh, we should have the the one that comes early in June. I mean, we should have some sure enough wide open brim fishing for a while. That's exactly right. Uh, even the last uh, the last moon in May is going to be good. Now, uh, I would I would imagine most of your shell, shell crackers will bed between next week and the last of May. Most of your shell crackers. You know, I don't know where I don't know where most folks know this or not, but shell crackers. Do not the female shell cracker doesn't bed but one time a year, whereas your brim and everything else may bed three or four times. You know they can they can develop eggs quicker, but the but the shell cracker is the only panfish I know of that will bed one time a year. I didn't know and, that. Uh, is that the reason although, uh, that there's so many more? you'll have different uh, times of them bedding. It's the same males, but it's different females. And once they get through, usually you don't see a you don't see a chill cracker bed after about the middle of of June to the first of July. You know that's it. That's that's it for when it gets warm. They under the grass. Don, would that be yeah. why there's so many more bluegill out there than there is shell cracker? Exactly, exactly. That is why there's not that many. And another reason is. Some of my favorite favorite secret lures that I use on lower delta for bass are shellcracker imitations because the bass feed on them all year round and and uh, they just never they just they just not uh, don't proliferate enough to really get a hold. Whereas fifty years ago when I first started fishing this delta, real I mean really a lot. You could catch shell crackers anywhere on that delta. Now it's very few places that you can get in on big beds of them, and that's why they just they don't reproduce like other fish do. Do crappie uh, bed more than once a year? Yes, a female crappie can bed. Uh, I've had uh, two experts, supposedly two of the scientists, say that a uh, female crappie can bed two to three times a year. I don't know that is a fact though. Hmm. But I know I have caught crappie several times in the middle of the summertime bedding. Mm-hmm. I got a place I can go to, and and uh, that that's my that's my test hole, you might say. Yeah. Those big female, the big slab crappie, I have caught them in July on the bed. Well, so I know they bed more than one time. <laughs> they must because they're very prolific. I mean, they can that's take right. over a pond in no time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, that, and that's another one of your bass baits too. That's another one of your fodder fish for a bass. They uh, love a crappie and a uh, uh, shell cracker because it's easier for them to catch them. Hey, Don, speaking of bass, what kind of stage are the bass in there in the Delta right now? Well, I'm gonna tell you. I know for a fact that the, the boat show tournament, the first bass I know that was on the bed, my son and I went the week of the boat show tournament and found beds 
okay, in clear water. And, and I'm, I'll tell you the place in Babynet Basin. And uh, hmm. a guy caught one of the bigger bass of the boat show tournament off the bed. So the lower delta, they've been bedding since February now. now and Alan attests to this over the years. We have really talked a lot about this. On the lower delta, your, your bass can bed anywhere from the middle of January to the middle of May. It's according to how your water and weather is. All right, when you start getting above the causeway and you get up to, say, um, Miffin, uh, these lakes in the middle of the delta, usually it's March before they'll even consider bedding. I, I've never seen a, I've never seen a bed or caught a fish off of the bed before the 1st of March in the middle of the delta. Okay, this year is later. This year is now. Uh, you're going to see bass bedding up in the upper delta in the rivers all the way into May. Mm. So it, it's one of those things that's drawn out, and the amount of bass we have, we have a lot more bass than people give us credit for. But uh, the bass, are, there's so many of them, and they'll keep on spawning as long as, as, long as that male can get a female on the nest. You know, most people think, oh, there ain't but two or three bit a nest around here. That means that the one, ba one bass is taking care of. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> did we lose Don? Yeah, I believe we did. Oh, no. Something happened. It we just... definitely, we <laughs> lost it. I mean, it like blanked well, out all of a sudden. He's talking about these crappie bedding two or three times in a the, in the year. And I've always wondered how can a fish take over a small pond so quickly that they, they're a problem. Yeah. You know, you can't put crappie or you shouldn't put crappie in a small pond. I I've think. heard that all my life. Yeah. I, I have. And I guess that's why. Um, but now, I see people put crappie in a, a lake that's three, four acres, and that may be, even be too small, too. But yeah. I think if you got a 15 or 20-acre lake, it probably wouldn't be a problem. You yeah, know? probably so. But if you got a two-acre pond, you probably best not do that. The best you know? crappie day I've ever had in my life was in a 200-acre lake. It was a man-made lake, probably the one of the largest in Alabama. And uh, they wanted the crappie to get out of there. They did not want crappie in there, and somehow they got in there, and they let us just go after them. And uh, they usually charge big money, uh -huh. you know, to go bass fishing and all that in there, unless you own land around it, you know. But, uh, I, I saw a picture of this stringer of crappie. You're a pretty <laughs> tall guy already. And and this stringer of crappie was as tall as you. I think it was over your head, if was, I'm not mistaken. It was almost 10 feet long. Okay, but it was like, I mean, uh, and they were big crappie. Uh -huh. They wasn't just crappie. They were big crappie. Everyone was two pounds or, or better. Good gracious. Uh, it was unbelievable. <laughs> and caught them on the bed, on the rocks, on the dam, you know. They were yeah. just so much fun. You got spoiled anyway, a little bit. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back with Captain Bobby Abrascado after these messages.
Get your college football fix all year long on the Chuck Oliver Show. The king of college football brings you two hours of local college football talk throughout the year with the biggest experts from across the nation and exclusive interviews with the coaches and players you want to hear from. It's the college football talk you deserve on the Chuck Oliver Show. Weekdays from 1 to 3 and evenings from 8 to 10 on WNSP. Andrews Diesel and Automotive on Highway 31 in Spanish Fort is expanding, and they're looking for two technicians with big truck and or equipment experience to join their family of top professionals. Andrews Diesel and Automotive offers excellent pay, vacation, sick days, retirement, insurance, and paid holidays. Apply at 11349 Highway 181 in Spanish Fort or call 591-1596 to set up an interview. Andrews Diesel and Automotive, an equal opportunity employer. Do you have a vision of a golf cart that doesn't exist? Well, the Cart Doctor can make it happen for you. The Cart Doctor's custom capabilities are virtually limitless. Lift kits, paintwork, they'll do whatever it takes to bring your ideas to life. With an unrivaled inventory on site, the Cart Doctor is the one name you need if you're looking for a new golf cart, need repairs, or just routine maintenance. Located at 5683 Highway 90 West in Theodore, or visit cartdr.com and follow the links to connect with the Cart Doctor on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We have individual dreams, and we also have shared dreams. Dreams for our cities and communities. Dreams of strong neighborhoods, flourishing families, bright futures. Hancock Whitney isn't just a bank for our clients. We're dedicated to our communities, building them up, making life better for everyone. Because we don't just work here, we live here. So keep dreaming. We've got your back. Learn more at HancockWhitney.com. Hancock Whitney Bank, member FDIC. At Fisher Investments, we do things differently, and other money managers don't understand why. Because our way works great for us. But it may not work for your clients. That's why Fisher Investments is a fiduciary obligated to put clients first. It's the highest standard for a financial advisor. So what do you provide? Cookie-cutter portfolios like the rest of us? No cookie-cutter portfolios here. Fisher Investments tailors portfolios to meet each client's goals and needs. But you do sell investments that earn you high commissions, right? And make commissions when you make trades for your clients? No, Fisher Investments doesn't sell any commission investment products, and we never earn commissions on trades. So what's in it for you? Fisher Investments fees are structured so we do better when our clients do better. When it comes to helping clients achieve a comfortable retirement, we're clearly different. Visit FisherInvestments.com to find out why investors like you switch to us. Fisher Investments, clearly different money management. Investments in securities involve the risk of loss. This is WNSP Outdoors, live on 105.5 FM and on the Sound of Mobile app. Now, let's head back outdoors with Alan White. All right, welcome back to the show. Let me tell you something. If you uh, care about your land and want to do the best thing you can for the nutrition of your soil, I highly recommend liquid fertilizer, and I highly recommend plantagriproducts.com. That's where I get my liquid fertilizer. It's called Mo Yield, More Yield, and uh, it's done a great job for me on my summer plot so far. And also they have uh, liquid lime, which is so much easier and quicker acting and uh, a lot less expensive than the lime buggies that you have to rent and you have to 
pull those things down the highway. And yeah, a lot to, less messy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> if you've ever done that lime, you know what, what we're talking about. I hope so. I never have to fool with a lime buggy again. That is, uh, so, uh, that's quite a day. Anyway, wanted to mention that, and uh, we're trying to get Bobby on the line, and uh, let's see, we're having a little trouble with our producer here. Huh. So, you, speaking of Bobby, uh, you was telling me he was at the uh, thing they had at the Bicentennial Park. You said that came off great. Last then. Saturday, yeah. They had the uh, first, I hope, of a lot of annual events to come. It's uh, put on by the North Baldwin Chamber of Commerce. It was Outdoors Expo. And uh, Bobby Abrascado spoke and uh, did a seminar. Uh, Kenny Weiss and Qu Kenny Weiss Jr. did a show. They had a great bluegrass band i think they had two bluegrass bands actually but uh, a lot of other entertainment and going on and a lot of booths a lot of things to see and talk about we had a lot of tractors to look at a lot of like old classic tractors yeah, yeah pretty yeah. neat Always and brand new tractors which made my mouth water there a little go. bit <laughs> so yeah it was a lot of fun i also want to mention this uh NWTF banquet coming up. It's next Friday night, May 5th, uh, and uh, it's going to be at the at the, uh, the grounds. They call it the grounds. It used to be the uh, yeah, that's the fair, fairground. Yeah, fairgrounds, the fairgrounds in West Mobile. So you can still buy tickets uh, and uh, come on out. They got games, raffles, live and silent auctions. Uh, National Wild Turkey Federation is a great organization to support wildlife and uh, wildlife habitat. So for ticket information, uh, you can go and call Stephen Daniels, 251-513-4237, and uh, you can get a ticket there. And I'm sure you can go online. I don't have that information on this poster I've got. But I think it's uh, events.nwtf.org. Yeah, that's yeah. it. I think that's that Westmobile chapter. I'm West pretty Mobile. sure it is. It's but. called the Westmobile Golden Spurs. I'm looking forward to being there myself. Yeah, they they put on a big-time banquet. Man, all of, those, all of those NWTF banquets are fun. They've got those live auctions going on with this beautiful artwork for oh, sale. Yeah. And yeah. you can bid on all kinds of guns and <laughs> yeah you know. every time i took my wife to it she was always finding another one for the house you uh, know but, but and, and it was a lot of money but it was all going to a good cause that's right because without them i don't know where our turkeys would be you know it'd be pretty rough if, without the help that they've done in the last true. 40 years so well while we're having this uh technical problem getting our reporters on the phone let's talk about turkey hunting for a minute you've had one exceptional opening week i guess in tennessee i guess you could say that it, it's probably the fastest uh that we've ever killed the number of turkeys we have up there uh it was it was fast and furious but i'm gonna tell you it, i got one thing to say it was so weather dependent the days we had good weather there were turkeys gobbling everywhere huh. and out of our little four-man j-hook group you know we were bringing in like three or four turkeys a day huh. and then We'd get a bad weather day, and it, you would think there were no turkeys there. You know, if it was cloudy or just, oh, yeah. co you know, cold, dreary weather, you'd think, well, there's no turkeys around here because you <laughs> wouldn't hear nothing. And 
it's like they didn't even want to come out in the open. And then you go the next day when it was cleared off, and, man, there'd be turkeys gobbling all over the place. They are you know? funny about weather, aren't they? Yeah, they very really much are. so. And I mean, we really got a good example of that this week. But uh, we killed 18 turkeys, I think, in the first 12 days of the season. There. Goodness gracious. Yeah. Between the four of you but, and a And guest. who we took. Yeah, and we Some guests, yeah. Yeah, we took some guests and some family and yeah. – uh, we we killed a lot of turkeys up there, but we never killed them at that pace. You yeah, know? and and there's still plenty around. Now, I mean, it wasn't like we thinned them out that much. Tennessee backed up the season what two years ago? They they in this particular county they backed it up three years ago, okay. and then this year they did the whole state that way. So in your opinion, and you know I I respect your opinion as a turkey hunter and someone who studies turkeys like I do. Do you think backing up the season in Tennessee three years ago in your county? Had anything to do with the amount of turkeys y'all got? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I heard the people talking about, man, our turkeys have been gobbling and gobbling, and we can't hunt them, and blah, 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 you know. <laughs> that went on, and, and they'd sat there for two weeks and hear turkeys gobbling every day and just uh -huh. chomping at the bit to get out there. And then, hey, two years later, you know, there's turkeys running everywhere. Mm -hmm. So it tells me they were breeding a whole lot unmolested. Well, and I think that's the point they're trying to do. That's yeah. exactly why they backed it up uh, and left the turkeys alone for a couple of more weeks while they were breeding so that they can make sure that all the turkeys got a chance to breed a hen. And so, therefore, more clutches of eggs, more eggs survive. Very few turkey eggs survive to adulthood. That's right. It's a very low percentage. But if you got more and more turkey eggs in the woods then you've got a better chance of everything yeah and that's kind of going on not you know not just there in tennessee they, they backed it up here to the 25th and it, yeah. not very many years ago it was the 15th here yeah and i think all the southeastern states probably with the exception of mississippi uh -huh. have done this huh. and and i can't believe that mississippi is going to be very far behind you know that I, I look for them to get in the program too you know Tennessee has had a reporting system on their wild game, their deer, uh, bucks, does, and turkeys. Uh, it's and it's a volunteer uh, reporting system. Oh no, it's uh, it's mandatory. Well, it's mandatory, <laughs> but, but it's an honor system. Kind of, yeah, the way it is now. Yeah, yeah you, you go online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It used to be a tagging system that you had to do. Well, and, it's yeah. uh, supposed to be mandatory in Alabama too, and it's supposed to be a you know. Uh, they encourage people to do it, but I think a lot of people in Alabama still don't get it and yeah. they don't report their turkey. Old, old habits die hard, yeah. I guess you could say. The longer and, uh, it and goes, that's unfortunate. You yeah, know? the longer more educated people get about why we need to do that, the better. It's a lot better than it was. I, I'm going to yeah. say that. Uh, I, I heard once Tom Kelly made a comment here recently that it's not cool anymore to break the game laws. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and 30, 40 years ago, people laughed about it and all yeah. of that. I, I don't. People nowadays, they don't laugh at it as much. You know, they don't think you're too funny when you're talking about all that. That's right. I don't. I don't think it's too funny either. I don't either. I don't either. <laughs> no, uh, those those days are over with for most. Well, people. let's hope they stay over with. I hope so. I hope so because uh, it's really ignorant. To, yeah. To think that it's funny to break the game laws, it's just stealing from your neighbor. That's right. That's. Not funny. Well, I mean, if you want the state to provide good hunting, and, and it's no different. We we talk about this on these with this fishing, and the conservation efforts they've made in fishing, and and you know 
we talk about flounder. We talked to David Thornton and the, the stuff they did, restrictions on flounder. Now they're mm-hmm. coming back. Yeah, big and, time. And conservation works whether it's fish or wildlife. And if Just, you take care of it, but you can't do it without good data. There's a big difference in Alabama and Tennessee. Uh, just to give you some stats, so far in Tennessee, for 12 days, 22,805 turkeys have died. They were checked in. They were checked yeah. in. Yeah. All right. In 30 days in Alabama, 14,561 turkeys have been checked in. Yeah. Now, either they're not checking them in. Or we are way behind in numbers, and I think it's a whole lot of both. I do, too. I really do. I do, do too. And, and I know Alabama has this reputation, and the hunting is better this year. I'm, I'm going to say that. It's better, been better for me mm-hmm. and been better for some of my friends, and I'm, I'm glad of that. But uh, you, you've you taken trips to Tennessee, and not just on the property where we hunt, but mm-hmm. you drive down the road and you see them all over the place, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and you don't see that here. That's true. The difference in that per day, just for folks who's interested in stats, in Tennessee, they're killing 2,000 turkeys a day. In Alabama, 485 turkeys a day. That's quite a difference. Pretty stark difference. Now, Tennessee has a limit of two gobblers per per year. Yeah. And uh, Alabama still has four Four, gobblers. Four. All right, that's the math, and math don't lie. That's right. We'll take a break and see if we can get somebody on the phone after this. warmer weather ahead it's time to take care of those pesky boat problems you've been putting off visit blue water yacht sales today so you'll be ready to hit the water in the warmer weather blue water is a full-line yamaha outboard dealer and is a five-star gold service facility with a yamaha master tech on hand of course blue water carries a full assortment of inshore and offshore models from pioneer bulls bay avenger jupiter marine and regulator and if you're selling skip the hassle and let blue water sell your boat for you visit bluewateryachtsales.net For 159 years, Wilmer Hall Children's Home has been serving young people in need due to poverty, abuse, homelessness, and neglect. Our programs include transitional living, tutoring, and a delivery-based food pantry. Please save the date for our summer fundraiser, the Kaiser Marie Memorial Fishing Tournament presented by Lazy Boy, to be held on June 17th at the Mobile Big Game Fishing Club with a way station on Dauphin Island. For more information about Wilmer Hall, please visit wilmerhall.org. The Titan 3D Leafy Suit is the ultimate camouflage for hunting. With an 80mm no see mesh, it's very cool and breathable. Plus, the Titan 3D has a double-printed design, water-repellent coating, a built-in removable face mask attached to the hood, quiet soft-snap fasteners, large zippered pockets, and 18-inch zippered legs for easy-on and easy-off over boots. Just slip the Titan 3D Leafy Suit on over your clothing, and you're ready to go. Pick up one at your favorite hunting store or visit LeafySuits.com. 
For 55 years, homeowners across the Alabama Gulf Coast have trusted Bachelor's Service with their HVAC systems. Keep your HVAC running its best with their $79 tune-up special. Or better yet, a value-priced energy savings agreement for year-round peace of mind. Time for a new system? Bachelor's offers Daikin Fit, the industry's leading tech for AC and heat pumps, available with a $1,000 instant rebate. Bachelor's is service worth remembering. For HVAC generators and plumbing repair, go to bachelorservice.com. Certification 177. I'm Danielle at Wade Distributors, and flooring is what we do. Mobile or Baldwin County. For 40 years, we've helped people get the right flooring at the right price. Designed to installation, we make it easy. Danielle's right. I got the perfect tile and color with quality installation. It was so easy with free design service and the largest selection in town. I wouldn't go anywhere else but Wade Distributors for any flooring. So if you want flooring done right with free design, then come see us today at Wade Distributors, online at wadedistributorsinc.com. Hey guys, it's Senior Trooper Anna Peoples with Alabama Law Enforcement Agency, and we're gearing up for Spring Break 2023. Wear your seatbelt at all times, no matter how short your trip is. Don't drive distracted. Remember, 16-year-old drivers can only have one non-family member in the car at a time. Avoid texting or talking on your phone while driving. Aaliyah wants all Alabamians to have a fun and memorable 2023 Spring Break. So let's do our best to ensure everyone makes it home safe and be the most responsible drivers we can during this holiday. This is WNSP Outdoors, live on 105.5 FM and on the Sound of Mobile app. Now, let's head back outdoors with Alan White. All right, welcome back to the show. Let's give away a four-pack of pork chops from our favorite place, Streets Seafood and Meat Market, located in Baymanette, Highway 31. That's four packs of pork chops. That's... The third caller, 694-1055, gets that coupon, and uh, good luck. We've got Mark Brenner with us today. Mark is an outstanding outdoorsman, and uh, we've gotten to know him over the past year or so, and uh, just always love to have him on the show. Welcome again, Mark. Good afternoon, Alan. Good afternoon, Doug. How are y'all doing today? We're right. do, doing good, man. We're getting close to the end of turkey season. So, have you gotten any yeah. sleep? Have you gotten any sleep, Mark? Very little. <laughs> very, very little. These, these, these boogers, I tell you what, they'll drive us crazy. I know you guys know how that is. And all these avid outdoorsmen, turkey hunters, they we get we get the fever, and it's hard to you shake it. We only get to play with these critters a couple weeks out of the year, so it's hard to get our fill in just a short amount of time. I tell you <laughs> what. Uh, I have, uh, I've seen people lose jobs and lose their wife because of that right. turkey hunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hey, Unfortunately, I, th- I think you're right. <laughs> this, this morning, Mark, I put this pair of pants that I got on, and I've had to like go to the last notch in my belt. I think I've walked off about <laughs> ten pounds. And, uh, <laughs> so that was a good thing, I guess. Yeah. But uh, that that happens every spring, and. and I need to keep it off till next spring somehow, but it don't seem to work that way. Uh, Doug, I think I'm like you. I look forward to spring coming just so I can shed some of that extra poundage that we put on during the holiday times of Christmas. And our wives and our mama's feet are so good down here in the south. You know how it is, and uh, it's easy to do it. It's easy to put those those pounds on. So, well, Mark, you hunt you hunt in Alabama. So tell us how this year's been so far compared to years in the past. Um, I'll sum it up real quick. For us up here, it's been very slow, wow. very very slow. It's one of the one of the 
one of the, I hate to use the word bad, worst, so on, so forth, but it's been uh, the slowest season I can remember um, possibly in the last 20 years oh, for man. us. Well, you know, it's kind of kind of strange because we have gone through so many slow seasons down here in South Alabama in the last 10 years or so. And uh, But our, our hunting down here has actually picked up this year. Uh, That's great. And, you know. That is. I, I, but I guess if it's slacking off in the north, you know. That, but we were looking at, uh, during the uh, last segment, Al and I were talking about some numbers, harvest numbers and all. And yep. what a drastic difference there had been in here in Tennessee, where I just got back from. And uh, and I, I don't know. I know you're all about people trying to do the right thing and follow the game laws, and, and you push it hard in, everywhere you go. And uh, it looks like the compliance on the check-in is not good. Is, is that your opinion? I, 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 that is my opinion. No, you got to be careful with these type of situations because everybody's got an opinion. And you know, from what I just, from being in the marketplace like we are, and you hear as much feedback and as much as goes on, Doug, you and I both know, not everybody's being honest. Um, I don't feel like the the system that we have in place is is as accurate as others in other states i feel like and this is getting a little deep but i feel like if we could go to something that was a little bit easier to manage uh and enforce whether it be a physical tag system there's got to be consequences in place for when we set these laws these rules these guidelines these restrictions and when folks don't abide by them there's got to be consequences and until we put consequences in place i'm not sure if we'll ever come up with a foolproof system. I agree with you. There's a lot of reasons besides hunters, of course. We're not blaming hunters for everything here. But there's a lot of other reasons for the decline in the wild turkey population. Loss of habitat, uh, not enough burning, uh, prescribed fire anymore, uh, increased predators. And, and you know, if you have a... Uh, without fire, you've got a bushy uh, bunch of thick woods, and it's so easy for predators to kill turkeys in that situation. They need open ground that they can see around them, you know. So I don't know if the predators have gotten worse or the opportunity for predators has gotten better. Either way, it's a it's decimated some of the wild turkeys in our in our certain counties in Alabama. You're absolutely right, Alan, and I, I think it's a little bit of a combination of, of everything. Um, I don't, I absolutely do not feel the decline is due to the to the ethical, responsible, honest hunter. I think, for the most part, our wildlife and natural resources are in a better place because of the the, the efforts the hunter is 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 producing and providing, especially the financial resources we all know that most of the conservation uh, uh dollars come from you know the hunters mm-hmm. uh now you know the hunter that's out there ethically and um going by the guidelines and laws and, and staying within the limits you know he's not the one that's hurting that turkey population in my opinion uh the loss of habitat the the lack of uh maintenance and development on habitat brooding areas um, 
the predation has gotten through the roof. There is no more um, fur trade. Uh, folks simply don't uh, make it a priority. Um, kind of, I don't understand. Everybody can always find time to squeeze in a morning hunt for whatever reason, but they can never seem to find time to to go and give a little back. Go, but go do some work. Yeah, I, I agree. Go do some dang work. Any, you know, it doesn't cost much to do work. You gotta, but. No. And if you can't do work and you don't have permission to improve the habitat on your lease or you don't own land, you can do some other things to improve our Absolutely. turkey situation. You can join a conservation group like the National Wild Turkey Absolutely. Federation. Turkeys for Tomorrow is a good one to donate Absolutely. to. Yes. I couldn't agree with you anymore. Every little bit that we can add, you know, and give back, the, the, the more it's going to help the resources and protect the resources you know, in the long run. Uh, so sometimes, you know, at some point we got to look in the mirror and we're going to ask ourselves, you know, uh, what, what can we do? What can I do to help get back? And a lot of folks that don't, that haven't been involved with trapping, Alan, don't realize how much fun they're missing. <laughs> um, people don't realize a lot of cases, a lot of times how detrimental crows can be to your turkeys. And um, I was just reading a post this morning of uh, someone that, it posted a picture where the egg, you could actually tell. I'd seen you can see where it had been pecked out, where yeah. the where 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 a nesting predator like the raccoon or a possum will totally bust the egg, just like you and I would do when we're cracking the egg. We totally crush that egg. Yeah, um, a crow would just poke holes in it, mm -hmm. and you a, know, and and we'll eat it that way. And a blue jay, uh, a blue jay will do that too. Absolutely, they will. And you know, but there's a lot of fun going out and shooting crows. Mm -hmm. You know, if you've never done it, then go get you a couple of crow decoys and take your take your son, take your daughter, take a kid, and let them just wear that wear that crow <laughs> call out. I mean, just have fun. There's no closed season. <laughs> it does help seasons. a bunch. It's like Coetty Salter would tell you that crow's flying up there in the sky. You know, 100, 150 feet up, he's got a bird's eye view. Literally, those those eggs are just sticking out. You know, like a sore thumb. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, these whole hens will nest in these cutovers and these, you know, different different edges and places like that. And they look down and see a bird's eye view, literally, and they'll pick them out real quick. Yeah. Hey, it and, sure uh, looked like fun when uh, TK and Mike were out there with Eddie. And Eddie blew his crow call, and they, <laughs> yeah, sure. they, were, they were having fun. <laughs> Yeah, I having a good time when they weren't choking on yeah, the Yeah, he, they started shooting the crow. They just had to blow it again, Eddie. Blow it some more. <laughs> <laughs> well, Doug, did, let me ask you this. Did you feel like the turkeys were gobbling uh, good, better, worse, average, uh, Tennessee versus Alabama? Uh, how did you feel? Well, it was strictly weather dependent. I, I was telling Alan that but it, before the show here. And uh, the days yep. we had good weather, there was a lot of gobbling. Of course, they're probably yep. two weeks behind, you know, that, that part of Tennessee yes, compared yes, to where we live down here in Alabama. They're probably two weeks later. But, uh, but yeah, they were burning it up on the pretty days. But, hey, you get a cloudy day, sometimes you thought there wasn't any there, you know. <laughs> right. So, well, I, I've seen it myself this year. It's just been kind of soft. But yeah. um, I, I let the scoreboard kind of speak for itself, and folks have asked what's going on. And 
I just think the spring came early. Yeah, and, uh, there's nothing we can do to control that. It's not in the up to biology, just as it is what it is. That's right. Mark, I appreciate so, your time today, buddy. Thank you guys so much. Yes, thank sir. Thank you for having me on. I always enjoy it. Uh, good luck to everybody the rest of the season. God bless, and y'all please stay safe. All right. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. High school sports coverage never stops right here on the Sports Station, WNSP. Hello, this is Pigskin Pete. Join me along with Brian Gennard for the Prep Spotlight every Thursday night starting at 6 p.m. We're going to start 2023 with all the girls, boys, basketball programs coverage, and we'll take you all the way through the spring sports at the end of the year. It's the Prep Spotlight Thursday night, 6 p.m. on the Sports Station, WNSP. Brought to you by Edward Jones Investments. Are you over or approaching 65, working and trying to figure out if getting on Medicare is the right choice? If you're confused with your current Medicare coverage and want to talk to somebody local, Aiden Marks at Medicare Insurance Advisors is an independent agent that has been helping folks with their Medicare since 2009. Aiden has helped hundreds of individuals in Mobile and Baldwin County, located on Highway 98 in Daphne near Terry Thompson, and there's never a fee for his service. Call 251-463-0031 or visit medicareinsurance-advisors.com. Street Seafood and Meat Market on Highway 31 in Baymanette has a great selection of fresh seafood and meats. Choose from their top cuts of meats or get yours custom cut. Find Street Seafood Restaurant on Facebook for order ahead to go daily buffet specials. A full meal served at the drive up from 10.30 till 3.30. Call 937-4096 and they'll put it together for you. Street's Dining Room is now open and the banquet room is open for private parties. Street Seafood Restaurant and Meat Market on Highway 31 in Baymanette. Find them on Facebook. The Bayou Boys at Bayou Fasteners in Saraland are ready to help you get the job done. They have a 16,000 square foot facility on Industrial Parkway in Saraland supplying fasteners, abrasives, and all your industrial supply needs at competitive prices and been doing it for 30 years. Bayou Fasteners is open five days a week and with over 75 years of experience, they specialize in service. As they say in the shop, you can work it, it, it. Terry Thompson Chevrolet is more like a family than a car dealership. On a scale from 1 to 10, Terry Thompson Chevrolet is off the charts. The entire sales team at Terry Thompson was awesome. They really made the process simple and easy for the customer, and we appreciated that. I've recommended Terry Thompson Chevrolet to all my friends because there's no pressure and you get a great deal. If I had to say one thing about Terry Thompson Chevrolet, it would be the greatest car dealership in the world. Hi, Ty Thompson again. And those were some real-life Terry Thompson customers that we truly value and appreciate. And when you let Terry Thompson take you home, we promise you will also be treated like family. And now is a great time to save really big on our great selection of new Chevrolets. When you find new roads to Terry Thompson Chevrolet on Highway 98 Daphne or online at shopterry.com. Terry Thompson is your automotive superstar. This is WNSP Outdoors, live on 105.5 FM and on the Sound of Mobile App. 
Now, let's head back outdoors with Alan White. All right, welcome back to the show. I'm Alan White along with Doug Max, and uh, we've got Mr. David Thornton on the line with our peer report. How you doing, David? I'm good. So far, I've been able to tread water, so I'm, <laughs> you know, staying ahead of it. Yeah, it looks like more's coming this afternoon. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it was pretty bad down there along the beaches this morning, wasn't it? Yeah, I think they they had a little wind, too, um, as it was coming in, so it you know, it kind of roughed things up a little bit, but it's, it's not anything that's going to uh, persist for too long. Um, the, the winds and seas actually, I think, are probably going to help most of the time because the, the seas are predicted to stay, uh, you know, fairly tolerable for surf fishing, at, at least until, like, Saturday night, Sunday, when the winds may pick up with the next front coming through. But otherwise, you know, they're they're predicting like two to three foot seas, which is really probably what you want for you know surf casting, uh, set rigs for pompano and and stuff like that. It, it gives you the the water's kind of rolling over the bar and gets the fish into a, a feeding uh, mode mm-hmm. and makes it easier to locate where the drop offs are and where you need to fish and stuff like that. So. Hopefully it'll it'll you know help things out in the long run, much more than the extremely calm flat seas we've had earlier this week. <clears throat> you know I've never thought about that. I, I've done a little bit of fishing from the beach, and and you'd go down there, especially a lot of times real early in the morning. It'd be just as slick, and you wonder why you're not catching anything. <laughs> and, but yeah. but I guess those waves they do they bring the food to the fish, right? Right, right. And and another thing that affects the the bite in the surf zone I've noted is a neap tide <clears throat> in those kind of conditions. If, if you don't have a lot of wind or waves that are going to move the water around, you at least want a pretty good tide differential that's going to, you know, have a, a decent tide change and, and create some currents along the beaches. And if you don't have that, the fish are going to be few and far between. I mean, you can still catch them, but you're going to have to really work for them and be really patient. Uh, you know, find a real good location like a point or something like that where you, you know that the fish are going to come in and feed in, you know, little spurts throughout the day. And so you may have these little periods through the day where, um, you know, some fish will come by and they'll feed where you're at because you're, you, you basically have to wait for them to come to you. You can't, not like boat fishing where you can get up and chase them. Um, the only other thing you can do is, you know, pack up your stuff, and if you got a cart, move down the beach a little ways in one way, one direction or the other. And a lot of that depends, too, on how much uh, traffic you have on the beach, how many other fishermen, and how many people are swimming in the water. And, you know, we're getting into that time of year where early and late in the day is going to provide the surf fishermen more opportunities um, for, you know, surf casting and, and also for wade fishing as that becomes uh, more in tune now that we're having, uh, you know, more speckled trout showing up in the surf and there's there's still some flounder in the surf and it uh, seems like it's been a pretty good year so far, um, you know, for flounder increasing. So it's a little bit of everything coming on. We were talking about that earlier, uh, how certain regulations and enforcement of those regulations can make a big difference in a relatively short period.
period of time on some species like wild turkeys and uh, flounder. <laughs> yeah, the flounder, a prime example of yeah. what we've seen happen. Yeah. There. Right. Anything that has, you know, a fairly quick turnaround as far as repopulating itself, like, you know, flounder would probably be two to three years. And, and I guess turkeys probably works about on that same pace That's as right, well. That's right, two to three years. Um, you know, yeah, if it, you know, if it takes a, a species five or more years to reach maturity, mm-hmm. then that replacement is going to be a lot slower in coming about. And, and you have to regulate that kind of species a lot tighter in order to be sure you don't get into trouble to begin with. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, I, I didn't know this till I had learned it from you sometime back and why they had closed the uh, season there. But the fact that those, I think it was in November that, that the flounder is closed and they go offshore and yep. spawn. And, That's uh, when they move offshore to spawn, yeah. And, and they, um, there was a good article uh, this past week by on Marine Resources by David uh, Rayner about how the flounder have come back. And that was one of the, those things that they cited, um, that they, they do believe the November closure has been a real positive. Um, and as far as protecting those fish that are just about to spawn, and you know, then they've got other things like the uh, the flounder culture that they've been uh, putting into the waterways um, that they've been raising at the Mariculture Center, and um, that's helped, you know, of course too. But and, and tighter regulations as well. All that kind of comes into the mix, and and what we're seeing now is more and more flounder, and they, they seem to be getting bigger as the, as the season is moving on. I know with the Alabama Coastal Fishermen's Association, we've had a pretty good response this year with flounder early in the season, which is uh, in, in years past, we didn't even start including flounder until like the second or third tournament of the season. And we started in March this year and, uh, you know, catching – uh, a full board, you know, where we have four or five fish entered for each tournament. And that, that seems pretty good for so early in the season. And we used to call that the <laughs> Causeway Slam. Was it the speckled trout, redfish, and flounder? Yes, sir. Yeah, that in, that Mobile Bay inshore slam, Causeway Slam, they all, uh, you know, that's the big three that most inshore fishermen are going to concentrate on. Of course, down on the coast, it changes, you know, uh, depending on what's available. You've got Spanish mackerel and pompano and, you know, other species that, that you know, either they, they come and go in, in abundance. <clears throat> and what I've developed during the year is just kind of try and go with what's most available. You know, there are times, especially when I was uh, you know, taking people guiding where they might have a request. I really want to fish for for pompano, say, or something like that, even though it might not be the best time of year, um, they, they want to learn the methods as much as catch those particular fish, you know. So yeah. oftentimes, even, you know, just if, you, if you're trying to expand what you can do, if you can catch fish when they're not in their seasonal abundance, that's when you know you're doing it right. Mm-hmm. And it's a great time to experiment and try different things, um, you know, even lures and stuff like that. You can uh, experiment with colors, different actions, different presentations to try and get what it is that turns those fish on, you know, whenever they are around. So that way, when they are in seasonal abundance, you know you can catch them pretty much on any given day. 
and it, it just increases your overall confidence in what you're doing. And another thing is to kind of track that through the year so that, you know, I've, I've been, Alan, you know, I've been doing this uh, Pier and Shore monthly forecast for, you know, over 10 years now. And uh, you, you kind of see the nature repeats its cycles, just like in hunting and such, too. Mm-hmm. Um, when particular fish are going to be around, when they're spawning, um, you know, when uh, when they're going out of, of uh, po- you know, uh, popularity or when their numbers are decreasing, uh, especially in a specific area like along the coast. And, you know, and then you kind of dial that in with whatever the particular weather is for the day, the wind direction, how much waves you're dealing in. And it, it really is challenging. And uh, But it's a lot of fun when you can kind of figure it out, so to speak, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, dial them in and, and have a good day because you've adjusted uh, your tactics or even the, even your target species, you know, mm-hmm. and as the as the day goes on and you see something's not working, it's like, well, what will work, you know? Okay. That's, that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. David, uh, what is the latest word on the Gulf State Pier from the state of Alabama? Yeah, they released the uh, <clears throat> uh, bids for the um, for the pier last month okay. and they were read er- earlier this month and they decided to extend it for a couple of weeks into the middle of April hoping that and somebody else would come in and bid as well mm-hmm. and uh, the main problem was that the only bid they had came in like 1.7 million dollars over their 12 million dollar estimate mm. so now that that's been behind them, um, the bid went back to uh, FEMA, who has to either approve it or uh, turn it down, mm-hmm. and you know, based and they have 60 days to decide that. So that's going to take us possibly into June before we ultimately know what's going to, you know, what's going to happen. You know, um, if if FEMA coughs up the rest, then certainly the state will step in like what the commissioner had uh, talked about at the end of the last year mm-hmm. that, you know, after turtle season, we can probably, you know, they could go ahead and let the bid and they could be pouring the concrete for the, uh, for the uh, new pilings and stuff like that on land. Good. And then when turtle season ends in November, they'll be ready to get on the water and put those in the ground and um, get on with it. Well, that sounds good. I appreciate you keeping us up to date on that, and we'll continue to update our audience on the progress we're making uh, on that project. So I'd love to see it, you know, be built back uh, this time next year, but I don't know. Yes, sir. We'll keep our fingers crossed. Thank you, David. Appreciate you, man. All right. All right. And that's going to do it for this week. We'll be back next week on Thursday at noon with WNSP Outdoors.